Welcome, boys and girls, to today's episode of MBA Without BS, today with Wanho Kang. Before we start, today's episode is brought to you by our newsletter, MBA WOBS, tips, tricks, recommended reading and listening, and some inside information about the project. Welcome to sign up at mbawobs.com backslash subscribe. As a reminder, my goal is to assist every candidate with a non-traditional background who wants to get into a top MBA. So if you're such a candidate, reach out to me on our website. Today, I will be speaking with Wanho Kang. So Wanho is a senior associate at J.P. Morgan Chase, where he works in product development and strategy. Prior to joining the firm, he attended INSEAD for his MBA. Before that, was a captain in the U.S. Marine Corps. The key benefits for the folks listening to this podcast and wanting to decide whether they want to invest 30, 40 minutes or not. And here's a shout out to my friend Noam who recommended I put this part in. So today's episode is extra special for veterans. Both Wanho and I are veterans. Uh, what you'll hear today is some practical advice on how to decide on whether this an MBA is the right course of action for you or not. Um, you'll learn how to adjust the way you communicate from military style to civilian style. You'll get a book recommendation from both Wanho and me. And you will hear Wano's top three takeaways from his MBA experience. Hope you enjoy it. Happy listening. Welcome to MBA Without BS, a podcast where we interview candidates or alums with non-traditional backgrounds. Today we have Wanho Kang, a classmate of mine from INSEAD. Hello. Wanho. <laughs> Wanho, great having you here. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So Wanho will tell his story in a second, but today is a special episode. As, uh, we're going to focus on a topic that's very close to both Wano and to me, and that is uh, being a veteran and the transition from military life through the MBA to civilian life. So with that, Wano, welcome to the episode. And Thank you. stage is yours. Tell us your story in two minutes or under. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try to see if I can keep it to the time. So, um, basically, um, you know, I was, was born in Korea, uh, lived there till I was six. Um, parents and, and I uh, immigrated to the United States um, in 1995. Grew up in South Florida, and during my time in South Florida, a little something happened on on September 11, 2001, which uh, which which was was my main motivation for joining the military. Uh, after after college so i ended up going to the u.s naval academy for four years um graduated became a marine uh, i served overseas in okinawa japan and uh, finished out my time in north carolina towards the end of my military service it, it, it became very apparent to me that that, that you know this prob- uh, there were other things that i thought i could do which would which would which would be a better fit for me I started taking a look at MBA programs while I was in Okinawa. Uh, I was I was I was looking for uh, a short a short program where where I could get the quickest return on investment. 
But then at the same time, I also wanted it to be a really good program as well. So I ended up on the Financial Times MBA rankings page. I'm like, oh, this is like this really interesting school. INSEAD, like, uh-huh. you have to speak three languages. When you, when you graduate, I, don't, I didn't really speak three languages then, but I, it got my attention. It placed out really well into strategy type jobs, which is which is what I wanted to end up end up doing. Um, researched it, applied once, didn't get in. <laughs> uh, got put on the wait list. Uh, applied again right after that. Got in, but to a later class to which to which I had to beg and plead with the admissions committee to let me into the earlier class. Uh, mm-hmm. Went through NCAD. Through throughout uh, sixteen and seventeen, graduated with the class of seventeen J, and then afterwards, I joined J.P. Morgan Chase and Company as part of the Military Pathways Rotation Program, and right now I am in product development and strategy for a top secret project that I can't really give too many more details about. Perfect. We look forward to hearing more about it. Well, if you keep your eyes on it, maybe something will be announced. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So tell me about the decision moment. So what made you realize that you want to transition out of the military and into civilian life? So I think really I... There was a there was a realization moment for me when when so I in the military I was an adjutant and being an adjutant you you're kind of exposed to a lot of the manpower processes that happen in the military and it became very apparent to me that the promotion system in the military wasn't necessarily meritocratic um, I mean there's there's boxes that you have to tick off in, in order to get promoted you know from captain to major or from major to lieutenant colonel um, but. It, all of it was, it, it occurred to me that all of it was just kind of like based on time and not necessarily the strength of what you bring to the table and your performance. I mean, like, yes, like you should, you should perform if you're in the military and you're a military officer, but at the same time, it, it's only like a, a check in the box. Like this is, it, it's, it's, it, it didn't, it didn't strike me as particularly meritocratic. So, you know, I could work my butt off for, the next five years. And I, and I knew that I wouldn't get promoted any faster. And that was actually kind of, um, kind of a, kind of a mood killer for me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. at which point I, I realized I, I wanted to kind of apply myself a little bit more and, um, I, I wanted a different kind of challenge. I think, um, like after five years in the military, you kind of just get really accustomed to what that lifestyle is. And I want, I just wanted something different. Um, so I started taking a look at transitioning to the private side, um, at, at, say probably in earnest around 2014, 2015. And I started, uh, planning out my, uh, my, my transition from there. So maybe some of your motivations were you wanted to kind of control your own faith. You wanted your, your, your right. hard work to be translated into no, something that you can control, kind of see a direct correlation between your hard work and the results. Right, and uh, like I mean, if I mean some of the some of the listeners might also be veterans, and they would probably uh, know uh, the, the whole order system, you know, in in the U.S. military or at least in the Marine Corps. Um, they're, they're, 
you're given sets of orders that are two to three years long. And it kind of, you know, ropes you into a geographic area for two years or for three years. But then, you know, after that period of time, they could just be like, hey, we uh, want you to move to California, you know, and you're living in what North Carolina. And it's just, it's, it's like every two to three years, you, you, you kind of have to move and it's, it's not very stable and it, it hardly gives you any sort of a uh, control over your career trajectory. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I wanted more control. Okay. So, Maybe this is a sidetracking a bit, but who kind of decides what are the system's um, key factors in deciding on where, you know, they should place you in terms geographically? <laughs> so this is this, this is definitely a bit of a, a bit more of a tangential thing. And I could go on forever about this. But the way that military manpower is managed right now is from a very centralized location where there's like um, there's like a collection of uh, I guess billets that you can fill and um, you know and, and they track all of this they see okay okay this person is going you know to that location so that means this spot is open so that means we need to put somebody in that position so it's all kind of like relegated to what your military occupational specialty is um, but then at the same time, though, throughout the career journey, there's also boxes that you have to tick. Like you probably need to have some sort of command time. And then you, ha- you have, you know, a, a one where it's kind of like not so much command oriented where you work on a staff. So there's like all these different wicked factors that, you, that they're trying to account for. And it's all centrally managed. So um, it, it, it causes a lot of consternation every single Every single year around summertime, which is when people usually move uh, new sets of orders. Um, so yeah, it's, it's centrally managed. I'm not necessarily sure if it's a good representation of of how manpower should be managed, but uh, that's the system, and uh, it, it yeah definitely causes a whole lot of stress and a whole lot of uh, pain for, for 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 some people. Right. Big systems, sometimes, uh, anytime a lot of constraints and sometimes not extremely efficient, I guess. Um, okay, so you you go through your military service, you're an officer in the Marine Corps and positioned in, uh, in Korea in, your, in Oceania in your last, uh, not in Korea, in Oceania in your Okinawa. last role? Okinawa. Okinawa, sorry. Uh, Carolina. Oh, no. no big deal. It's so, um, I started, I started my time in, in, so it started in Virginia, did the training. Uh, my first set of orders were in, uh, Okinawa, Japan. Uh, and then during that time I, I did a bunch of exercises in, in Korea and Philippines and then rotated over to North Carolina. So you decided to transition out and why an MBA? So, what were your motivations here in pursuing specifically an MBA? So, I, I I had to identify kind of what I liked doing while I was a Marine Corps officer. What I really liked doing was um, coordinating with others and and going through a problem solving process. So, when I tried to set out the plan for how I'm going to transition out, I wanted to make I wanted to see if I could um, preserve those. Um, 
those aspects of my of my of my job into whatever I would want my civilian job to be. And a lot of it really fell in line with uh, consulting or strategy type roles. So that's when I started taking a look in earnest uh, at, at going into consulting or some type of strategy. And um, mm-hmm. I realized that a very, a, a, a very viable entryway into that world was through an MBA. I mean, thinking about what I, what I majored in undergrad was international relations with a, uh, with a minor in Japanese, which, I mean, not to, not to, uh, not to crap on those majors, but it, it generally, it, I mean, generally, if you, if you want to go into consulting, I mean, like you need to have some sort of business administration background or at least some sort of engineering, um, uh, structured way of thinking about certain problem sets. So, um, uh, I started, that's, that's when I really started taking a look at MBA programs in earnest. Uh, so, so I can kind of build that foundational skill set and, uh, and, and the networking opportunities, uh, in order to assist with my transition to the civilian sector. So if I'm, if I'm kind of repeating, but also taking a bit from myself and, uh, maybe I'm plugging in some parts from our last conversation, I think as a career soldier, you go through training, right? You go through yep. basic training and weapon training and advanced training and whatever it is that you do. And to a great extent, perhaps, you know, consulting requires some basic training as well, be it, you know, business administration or engineering or anything else that's, uh, that's structured. And to me, it makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the things we spoke about in the last time was that we as, you know, former soldiers, former officers, it's kind of hard for us to imagine that the same way you undergo basic training in your military service, maybe you should go through some basic training or look at the transition period as, you know, also something that might take a few years till you become good at it. Right. And... You know, there's, I mean, I mean in, in, in a sense, I, I think you and I are both still going through transition. I think the transition is, I mean, most people think like, oh, like transition, like you just kind of go through it. And then once you're in your civilian job, it, it it's kind of over. It's not, it's, I, I feel like it's definitely much more of a, a multi, uh, a multi-year journey. Um, uh, like some of the, some of the things that, that, that I particularly struggled with once transitioning out, I mean, and, and, and Mikey, you know, this probably as much as me, but um, like we're very direct in our communication in the military, um, whether it's feedback or, or any, any other sort of communication, we're, meet, we're super direct. We don't really cut corners or, or anything like that. Um, and in the military, it makes sense that you should have like very direct communication in in, in, in terms of like what you want, because you know, if, if there's any sort of ambiguity that could mean you know, the mission mission's a failure or you know people get hurt um, and we don't want that but at the same time uh, in, in more of a civilian setting you have the you have the tendency to, to to rustle some feathers if you're overly direct and that was actually one of the biggest uh, uh, opportunities for improvement for me <laughs> that, that 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 I received um, was was hey like you should learn how to I don't know, be a little bit more subtle uh, 
with with your communication learn learn how to be um learn how to get your point across without um, possibly without possibly alienating people uh due to due to my directness hmm. and how did you how were you able to do that or to so, improve in that honestly it's 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 a lot it, it, part of it part of it is really intangible I, i think i think just kind of over a period of time you pick up on the vernacular that people use and you just kind of adopt it into your into your own you know vocabulary or like your emails. um it's so one i th it, the first thing i think is, is the most important thing is the exposure you have to get exposed to it you have to get exposed to it over a period of time and then two i think the mo uh, the other thing is to try to try to consider yourself on the opposite end of uh, end of that you know receiving that kind of communication and trying to emulate what you think the other person would feel so like trying to engage in some um some some deliberate perspective sharing um so i think those two things if if you if you try to consider that then it might help um kind of set your message a little bit better when you're when you're transitioning out of the military into the civilian sector so if i'm repeating what you said uh, and the question was kind of you know how do you deal with this change of communication from a very direct communication in the military to maybe a bit uh, more indirect, softer communication in civilian life. And you said, you know, number one, you have to get exposed to it. Like you, if I translate it in my language, it's like you have to practice to become good at it yes. and to kind of face it. And the second thing you said was, you know, have to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Right. Change your perspective. Think about you know, what it would be like to receive this kind of communication right. from the other right. side. That's great. Right. That's great. It reminds me of uh, Have you read uh, Dale Carnegie's uh, "How to Win Friends and Influence People" book? Uh, have it on audiobook. I'm about halfway through. Man, it's like the. In fact, it it's not the Bible for like being a proper human being and business person, yeah. but it's like definitely the first book, right? From the Old Testament, it's like the Torah. Okay. <laughs> so it's not the entire book, but it's like the first book. <laughs> uh, I love that book. Got acquainted to it uh, during the MBA, by the way. So ah, nice. whoever's okay. listening, yeah, recommend uh, reading it. Definitely, it's one of my top five. Um, okay, so you get to your... I'm, going back in time a bit so you get to the MBA and what do you see around you like what strikes you first so um, for for some some that may not know INSEAD has has multiple campuses uh, there's one in Fontainebleau France and there's another one in Singapore so I, I was actually I spent the majority of my time in Singapore uh, definitely a, a different locale uh, extremely urban um, if you know anything about military bases in the United States geographically they tend to be located in Uh, rather rural areas, uh, not particularly, usually not not that built up. You know, if you take a look at like Fonco or uh, Campus in North Carolina, they're, they're not they're not necessarily parts of a large metro larger metropolis. Um, so so being put into uh, like the hyper urban landscape of Singapore is it's definitely jarring, uh, temperature wise. Like everything was different. 
uh, even the people walking around, you know, I mean, the demographic makeup of Singapore is definitely different than Jacksonville, North Carolina. So uh, <laughs> everything was different. somewhat different. Exactly. Everything was different. Um, and, and it was jarring. But to, to a certain extent, though, I mean, the re- part of the reason you you do an MBA program or, or partake in any sort of journey of self-improvement is to is to I mean it's to get better right and how do you get better without putting yourself in in uh, uncomfortable situations where you're not necessarily familiar with everything that's going around so keeping that in mind I, I it was different it was jarring but I loved it um, and then you know you get to the MBA and you have all of these uh, extremely talented people who who you know it's uh, you know, I, like, yes, like I did the military thing, but, you know, because it was my experience and I got comfortable and used to doing that experience, you know, it was like other people might have thought like, oh, like, you know, you're in the Marine Corps, like, that's cool. But like, for me, it was just kind of like, uh, like, I didn't really do like that, you know, cool of a thing. You know, I mean, you're like, I mean, you, you're a uh, serial entrepreneur, like, wow, like you, you must have done like amazing things. And so it's, it was like... I, to a certain extent, I think I had some imposter syndrome going in. Like, oh my god, like can I, I hang these people? And um, and uh, it was uh, it was super interesting to to meet new people from different backgrounds who had a who had a wealth of knowledge from from their professional uh, concentrations that would add uh, just just really interesting insights to discussions that we would have in and outside of the classroom. So it was. It was Everything was new. Everything was different. I loved it. And uh, I was surrounded by very accomplished and interesting people. That's awesome. I I had the same feeling, by the way, even though I got out, you know, probably five or six years before. But just the, you know, the magnitude of talent and like awesomeness (laughs) struck me instantaneously. Um. What would be your advice for veterans looking into practical advice into the MBA programs, kind of how to approach it, how to do it? How would how would you advise them to look at the process before they, you know, they start decide whether it's for them or not and so on? So, I'm sorry, can you? Yes, let me rephrase because I asked like two or three different questions. What would be your advice for military personnel considering to do an MBA? And I'm maybe up to point you a bit more in the, the direction I was thinking of. What would be your practical advice? Like, how would you approach the process of deciding mm, this is for me or not? If it is, where should I go? You know, what should I do in order to increase my chances and so on and so forth? So, um, first, so I think the most important thing is for that veteran to have a very defined idea of what, of what they want to try to do. Um, and I know it's def- it's it's a tall order, uh, especially coming from the military into you know civilian sector. And it's like oh like 
banking might sound cool. Oh, that's interesting. But like, you don't know what you want to do. Or like, oh, strategy consulting sounds great. But it's, 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 it's hard to have a defined idea of what you want to do for, for, uh, for a series of jobs that you've never been exposed to. So it's, it's, it's some of like, hey, like you don't know what you don't know. But there's there's so many resources out there, like um, like your, your GMAT club forums, or like even Reddit. Honestly, has subreddits mm-hmm. dedicated to entire industries and like the the recruiting process. So the reason the the reason you do that is once you have a pretty, uh, or not a pretty well defined, but at least like somewhat of a defined idea of what you want to do. If you at least have that down, then you can actually start taking a look at programs which might be a fit. Um, I mean, it, during my search, I, it became like really apparent to me that that certain um, certain schools have, you know, have a have a have a track record of placing very well into you know, s- specific industries. Um, and part of the reason why I chose NCI was because it, it placed very well into the consulting industry. So, um, so that was definitely a factor. So, yes, do do the research. And then figure out which program is best suited for you to actually to actually obtain those objectives. Yep, I think that's a very good, very practical advice. And from my end, I would say the toughest part is understanding what's right for you and where you want to go. And the practical advice might be, you know, talk to people. Kind of consult with people whose opinion you value or you cherish. Maybe people who know you. Maybe people who've done it. Um, and prepare for a process. It's not an instantaneous kind of a thing. And I think there's there's a certain factor to be said about tenacity as well, right? Mm. Um, you know, I did identify INSEAD as like the, the school that I really want to uh, attend, and you know, I didn't get in the first time. Um, but you know the the admissions committee asked that I reapply. So what, what more do I have to do? So I have one again, and they put me on uh, a, the accepted roster for a class that would have been much later, and you know didn't really fit into my timeline. So it's it's like yes, I mean you will you will face disruptions in your plan. Like yes, you know the the plan doesn't survive enemy contact. Got it. Great, but. There's a, you have to be tenacious uh, with it. You have to you have to continue to to try and you know if just to not give up. If if you have a well defined plan, you've done your research and you have backup plans and you've thought it through. Uh, it's 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 it, it requires tenacity on your part to to make it happen. I agree. I agree very much so. And, you know, tenacity helps in everything in life, but definitely, definitely in this. So what were your, what were your key, you know, looking back, what are your key takeaways? Maybe one or two or three key takeaways from this period of, of an MBA, of studying? Um... So uh, the first thing, I mean, the most obvious thing, I think, is 
So the, the, the most obvious thing I think is just the skill set, um, having that, having that foundational business management skill set of, uh, accounting, finance, uh, marketing, just, just the way that you think about business problems, I think, um, is, 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 is definitely a key takeaway from the MBA. Uh, but on top of that as well is, is also the network that you get. Uh, part of the reason why I have my, my current role at, at, the, at the company is because I, I leveraged my inside contacts. And honestly, I, I never really never really gave that much thought into the importance of the network, really. Uh, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, network, great, whatever. But um, once I got into the, uh, into the company and I was looking for more uh, strategy slash internal consulting type roles, um, I, for, you know, shits and giggles, I, 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 um, I Google searched, uh, in, er, not, not Google searched, we have this thing called a phone book, like an internal, internal registry of, you know, employees at JP Morgan. And I typed in INSEAD and, uh, oh, like, you know, I'm clicking through different people's names and I, and I come across this one individual who, who is part of, uh, the corporate strategy group, uh, and, uh, cold emailed him, uh, hmm. I didn't know me, doesn't owe me anything, uh, linked me directly with, uh, with the people who were, who were, uh, in charge of hiring for that, for that team, uh, got me in touch. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got in, uh, to that group, uh, because of that inside connection. So network, uh, and number three, I think is, uh, a, uh, a very nuanced sense of, of, of self-reflection, um, you know, and, and that kind of ties into, I guess, you know, a lot of the things that I saw and felt during my initial time at the NBA. You meet all these like very, very accomplished, very, um, very, very, very accomplished uh, individuals, and you, you kind of go through that imposter syndrome phase. But then at the same time, though, the sense of self-evaluation that you develop kind of has you has you looking in and, you know, identifying what your strengths are um, and then really getting a good idea of what your weaknesses are. And, and rather, rather than, you know, uh, like, like uh, collapsing uh, under, underneath, you know, Oh my God, like I, I can't do X, Y, and Z. It, it, it forces you to face uh, those weaknesses and to work on them to really get uh, those aspects of yourself uh to 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 a to a more to a heightened state, I think. Um, so yeah, if if I were to you know sum it up real briefly, it's uh, one you know the core the core knowledge set. Uh, two is definitely the network, and three is is a heightened sense of of uh, self reflection. That's awesome. Those are those are some great great lessons, I think, and. I find them very useful. They're very close to my top three takeaways. I recently uh, you know, put this piece on. It was like top three reasons for for me for doing an MBA. I kind of gathered a lot of the answers from the people I spoke with, mainly candidates. Uh, for like, oh, why do you want to do an MBA? I want to do this and that. And my top three, I think, were very, not identical, but very close to, the, to your top three. Right, the, the the knowledge, the the network, um, and that sense of self-reflection that you mentioned. So, yeah, I think that's fantastic. 
And speaking oh. of network, we had a oh. we, we had a brush in with our network yesterday as well. Uh, <laughs> at Seattle, uh, holiday party, which was great fun. Got to meet with people from just just it, across the entire timeline spectrum of of NCAD graduates, um, and it I don't know, it just it, it really made you appreciate like wow like I'm I'm part of this larger family now it's not it's very much like um some of the some of the things that you feel you know after you've left the military you know it's like oh hey like you're, you're marines like oh you're, i'm a marine too and then there's like that instant click and it's right. like that yeah too because the, the experience was so intense um it was it was definitely concentrated within the span of a year but you know like nothing really forms bonds like that unless um so there, there's this there's this saying that they used to say in the Marine Corps. It's it's nothing, uh, nothing forms camaraderie like shared adversity. And I think, uh, I, think you would, I mean, you would you would agree, you know? I mean, it's had, there's that there are definitely times of shared adversity, and uh, it, it's times like that that really bring people closer together. And you know, you have that have that like instantaneous identification with someone. It's like, oh, you went to INSEAD? I went to INSEAD too. So it's like you know, it, it's it's really great. Yeah, the last night's party was uh yeah it was good. I had the same feelings. Just you walk into a room and you're like, nah. you don't know everyone, but everybody's familiar. Uh, yeah. Just because you had you kind of yeah you, you you ate in the same dining room <laughs> like multiple <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Uh, when you mentioned it, I had the same experience. I was working on this deal and you know negotiating. Everybody was sitting around a table. We're kind of looking at each other, severe-faced. My party does this. Their party does that. You know, and I'm talking. I'm, I'm like having this mind game with the other, the manager of the other party. And then I'm like, okay, guys, let's stop for a second. Tell me a bit about yourselves. I want to hear. I wanted the soft elements, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, Oh, I grew up in this, I grew up in Italy, and I moved to this and to that. Then I did my business school in France. Da, da, da. I'm like, wait, where did you go to school? It's like, oh, I went to INSEAD. It's like, what class? It's like, oh, I'm a 99D. I was like, oh, I'm a 17J. It's like, what? That's crazy, <laughs> man. What are we doing here? Like, let's go for a drink and settle this whole thing. <laughs> so really did you guys does. go out for a drink? We did, we did go out for a drink. We di we didn't close the deal, but uh, we did go out for a drink. At least drinks were were had. So it was, <laughs> it's uh. <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah, there's just that sense of familiarity and and a lot of goodwill as well. Like you mentioned with your the guy who who kind of pulled you in uh, JPM's JP Morgan Chase. Yeah, it's like it's goodwill all around. Yeah. Awesome, Wano. So. Um, before we kind of start to wrap things up, what else you want to share with our listeners kind of as a, as a final note as something for them, maybe some of them were in your position, had your dilemmas, what so, are your life lessons There's something to be said about taking uh, calculated risks. Um, for me, the the MBA would have been a a, a really big change of uh, 
change of scenery uh, in the military. You know, it's it's kind of like a, you know, I, I mean, everything was very familiar for me. And if I wanted to, I, I could have stayed on and, and made it a career and, and, and filled out my 20 years and then, you know, retired early from the military. But then at the same time, though, I think I would have always had a nagging thought in the back of my head, you know, asking myself, hey, like, you probably could have done the MBA. Like, I wonder what would have happened if you would have done it. Um, and I, I don't think I, I don't think I would have wanted to be in a position where I would be uh, constantly questioning myself. Hey, like, what if I could have done it? Um, and, 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 I, and I ended up taking the risk and, and it kind of ended up turning out OK. Um, so, yes, like partaking or, or partake or taking part in the journey to, to go through an MBA program and, and to go through a career change. There's definitely a whole a whole bunch of risk associated with that. But, you know, it, it, I mean, it, like you're, you're equipped with the skill set to plan and to adjust quickly once the plan goes south. And, you know, you, you have all the skills and the tools to make that transition and to, and to, and to, and to execute the plan. So don't, sell yourself short you can do it um even even though you don't have you know a business background those things can be taught um what's important is that you take yeah the skill set that you that you've honed in in leadership and management and you and you translate it well so you know for for other veterans who might be considering doing that that doing that switch to an mba and a and a civilian career um i would say so, so you know, don't be afraid to take that risk. Um, be tenacious, and uh, don't give up. That's awesome. Wise words, my friend. Wise, wise words. Uh, I'm just, I'm just trying to, trying to give back to the community, man. Absolutely, and I think uh, I appreciate it. I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast appreciated too. Wano, with the, this note, I'm going to thank you, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Wanho Kang. If you want to reach out to him or me, just ping us on uh, mbawobs.com. Contact us. If you want uh, to reach out directly to Wano, just ping me, and I will transfer your emails or your messages to him. Ladies, he's already taken. <laughs> Edwano, again, thank you very much for your time today. And uh, hopefully this is not the last time. No, definitely not. Thank you, Mikey. All right. Have a good one.